if I preach everything that I have here, you might as well just tighten down your seatbelt. I'm not going to preach at all. So everybody says, oh, praise God. But I got a lot of stuff here. Amen. And, and first of all, I want to read to you a scripture. And the scripture right there is found in Haggai 2.9. And that right there was the, uh, that's the uh, banner that Nancy and I put up. The glory of this latter house shall be greater than the former, saith the Lord. And I'm claiming that not only for this church. You know what, though? I'm going to start claiming it for our country. Somebody say amen. I'm going to claim that for our country. We need that claimed for our country. Praise the name of the Lord. Claim it for your home. Say that the glory of the latter shall be greater than the former. Amen. Saith the Lord. We can claim that for a lot of things. Listen, it's written in the Old Testament, but it should be in the New Testament. Somebody say amen to that. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Ephesians. And we're going to be going over to the second chapter of Ephesians. We might be looking at some other things also. But in the second chapter of Ephesians, I'm going to read the first three verses. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them, among them we too all formerly lived in the lust of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. But say this with me, but God. Say it again, but God. Listen, but God being rich in mercy because of his great love which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that's the word. In Matthew eleven, twenty-seven and 30, just write it down. You don't need to go there. Jesus says, Come unto me, all ye who labor and are heavy laden. He said, And I will give you rest. He says, Take my yoke upon you and learn of me or learn from me. For my yoke is easy. And my burden is light. Isn't that amazing thing? That is what that is the intensity of the love that God has for us. And I kind of want to look at the intensity of the love that God has for us because our love is growing cold. We live in a world. I don't even know where I'm going with this message this morning. I have it, but I don't know where I'm going with it. If you will just bear with me. We live in a world, and this is on Facebook and this is on, on, on uh, the Internet, so I'm going to be okay with this because I think it's something that we need to talk about. We live in a world that's changing so drastically that it is mind-boggling. We live in a world, not just the United States, but we live in a world that has literally gone insane. There is no more sanity left in this world. Jesus said in the 24th chapter of the book of Matthew, he said, and the love of many shall grow cold. Or he said, 
the love of many shall wax cold. He says the world will wax worse and worse. Now, or the world will be, get worse and worse at a greater speed is what he was talking about. And in my history class, at first, the book itself was kind of boring. It's world history. And Abeka puts out this textbook, which is now, as I look at it, a phenomenal book. It didn't start out that way. Listen, this book started out in the Garden of Eden. And right now, as we're almost ready to close out school, we are now up to this day right here. That world history book went from the Garden of Eden to this day, which is totally amazing how that Abeka publication set this thing up. But all of my students are saying the same thing. And here's what they're saying. They're shaking their head and they're saying, it just keeps happening over and over and over again. And, and Elijah said to me, he said, Pastor, how can that happen? I said, because when we look at every civilization, they always took the reference book away. Remember when Doc preached about the reference book? And I told him, and I said, and the reference book is God's Word. And I said, when you take God's Word out of the equation, you have no source which to go into to understand what right and wrong is, so you're going to keep repeating the problem. Now, I told him this, and I said, but now the problem and the difficulty that we have, it's not specialized now in a certain location, but it is global and it is all over the world. At one time, it might have been in Rome, or it might have been in Britain, or it might have been in, in the Spanish empires, but the different empires had a location and it was kind of localized. But now the, the, the sins are the sins of the world. How many of you understand that it's globalism now and the world has gone insane? The world has gone insane. And the church is allowing that humanism and secularism to infiltrate the church. And here's they think that they have us because they say, well, if you don't preach what you... We want you to preach, then we'll take your tax exemption. Then take the tax exemption. Preach the truth. Preach the truth. Jesus said, render unto Caesar what is Caesar's and unto God what's God's. So if they want, us, if they want to tax us, then tax us. No problem there. Pay the taxes. We pay that anyway. We have taxation now without representation. It was one of the reasons why we came over from England is because it was taxation without representation and we have it now okay we went right back to that but the world is waxing worse and worse and after world war ii you know macarthur wanted to go in and take russia See, russia was at its weakest point the people were starving to death their economy was in ruin but we didn't go into russia and take russia and set it up as a democratic society but what we allowed we allowed Lenin to come in who was a Marxist and a socialist and then what he does he creates his own form of government which he called communism and communism then started to infiltrate the world which it is and if you think Russia is dead you're wrong Russia is alive and well and China is alive and well 
And communism is moving today. Understand that. And so what we have is that we have a world that has went insane because Antichrist, the devil, wants to bring this world under a one-world dictator. He wants to bring it under a one-world religion. Let me tell you something about religion. Religion is alive and well and doing okay. I'm not saying the church. I'm saying religion. And religion is when man tries to work his way to God instead of God coming down to man. Now understand something. Humanism is a religion. Darwinism is a religion. Understand what happens here. Marxism is a religion. These things are religions. Evolution is a religion. You've got to believe in that. And then there's a lie that says it's factual. There is nothing factual about evolution. There is nothing factual about any of these. How many of you understand that? And so it is coming together. Now, there'll be a one-world dictator. I know you don't care for this right now, but listen to me and pay attention anyway. There's coming a one-world dictator. Get it on the camera. And he's already in place. How many of you understand that? He just can't take his position yet. There'll be a one-world currency. There'll be a one-world government. And there'll be a one-world church. And the church will be allowed to prosper. It just will not be a church of God. Somebody say amen to that. And so all this lunacy and all of this stuff that we see that's going on is already in the reference book. Just go back to Revelation and get into the reference book. Go to the book of Hebrews. Get in the reference book. Get into the New Testament and understand the reference book. Get into the teachings of Jesus and it will take you to the reference where God says that once he is abandoned, every ungodly thing comes into the society. And it's happening now. Now we got men and women. Now, now in England, they're trying to pass this law that the parents cannot put their names on the birth certificate. It's parent one, parent two. And I know. It's crazy. And also, you cannot put the gender of the child on the birth certificate because when the child becomes of age, it will choose its own gender. Now, I just was given a letter. I read this. I'm telling you something. You might want to copy this thing off and read it. This is an amazing letter right here. Now, y'all bring me letters all the time. And Stan keeps me up on everything. He thinks I don't read all those. I don't read all of them, but I read 95% of them. When he, when he brings me one that's a book thick, I say, mm, now wait a minute. He did bring me a good book. I'm going to read that book, though. I saw that book. Yeah, that's a good book. I'll read that book. You know, every book's not a good book. How many of you understand that? Okay. He might bring me a book, and I say, you gonna, I'll read that someday. How many of you understand? Someday never comes. Someday. Okay. But some of those books I do read. This is a good paper right here. And so, Doris or somebody, not you, Doris, unless you just feel better. But let's copy this off for anybody that wants this paper. Because it's an amazing paper because it's teaching us of the lunacy and the things that are going on today. Now, there's something that's happened here. And, and what's happening is, is that we are under a burden 
And the burden can only be taken off of us by God. We're under a burden. And the burden is a yoke that is, is too hard for us to bear. How many of you understand that? And so we're under this, this yoke, we're under this burden, and we have allowed ourselves to become under that yoke or become under that burden. When Jesus says, now listen, get rid of that yoke. If you're wearing a yoke that's hurting you, get rid of that yoke. If you are wearing a yoke that's putting callus on your shoulders, everybody know what a yoke is? A yoke is where they set the yoke on two oxen, and the oxen would pull together. And what I liked about studying about that was that that I, I really didn't know this, and I probably should have known it, but they would always take a young oxen and place it with an older oxen, and the older oxen would always teach the younger oxen how to pull. And so they would put this yoke on these oxen, and these oxen would pull this, this burden, or they would pull this load together. And, and we have a yoke on us. Everybody has to carry a yoke. You have a yoke of some type on you. And if your yoke is too tough for you to carry, maybe you don't have the yoke of Jesus on you. There's many people in the church that do not have the yoke of Christ. They have a yoke, but not the yoke of Christ. Jesus says this. Now listen to what he says. He says, come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. Okay, heavy laden. Okay, Lord, I see where we're going. Listen, just just forget all about Ephesians, okay? We're not going to be even talking about Ephesians. So let's just forget about Ephesians. Let's go back to Matthew when he says, Come unto me, all ye who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. That's found in Matthew chapter 11 and starting with about verse 27. Now, he's talking about a yoke. And on this yoke, right, he he has given us a yoke or he's put his yoke upon us. And he's saying this, he says, come unto me, you who labor and are heavy laden. I think one of the problems that I'm having today as a pastor, is it okay if I be honest with you? One of the problems that I have today as a pastor is that I see people under burdens, but not giving the burden over to the Lord. And I'm not for sure that I'm not guilty of that sometimes myself. Because we are, how many of you here are like me, always trying to fix it? How many of yeah, always trying to fix it? Some things God doesn't want us to fix. Some things he says, you can't fix it. I have to fix this thing. And right now, the United States, we're broken. And we're broken because we have a burden, but we, are, we have not allowed God to put his burden upon us. And so therefore, we're pulling, but we're pulling against him and not for him because we're afraid. Of things we're afraid to come out and say listen to me ladies and hear me abortion is wrong and it's not just wrong it's murder how many of you understand that 
did you all see where the, the, the governor of Ohio said, get a law in this state that when you hear a heartbeat, you can't kill that child. There is a, there is a billboard outside of Atchison, Kansas, and I read it every time we're coming back. And it says, if the heart starts, stops beating and they declare you dead, then how come they don't declare you alive when it starts beating? Abortion is murder. It is abomination. Oh, don't say that word. I have to say that word because it's true. And listen to me. Women are broken who have had abortions because they feel so bad about themselves. The Lord will heal you. Come unto me, all ye who labor and are heavy laden. I can't think of a worse laden than that. God will heal you from that. He'll heal you from that. Abortion is wrong. It's murder. Listen to me. Homosexuality is wrong. There's nothing right about it. Every single empire that was ever great lost the power of its empire, the Roman government, that was the greatest empire ever on planet, almost a thousand years. What happened to it? Listen to what happened to it. Sport, entertainment, and homosexuality. How many of you got that? And murdering babies. And all they wanted to do was take off all the restraints and say everything is good. I told my class, I said, listen, it's not your problem. But you got to fix it. It's our problem. Because in the 60s, 50s, it started in the 50s, but in the 60s, we threw off all restraints, took our clothes off, and started taking drugs. Then we did all those restraints. We, we, we took all restraints off. Listen to what the Word says. Without a vision, the people perish. And what it really is saying, without vision... People cast off restraints because there is no reference on how to get back on the right track other than going to the Word of God. We threw off all restraints and now we have the Hillary Clintons and we have the Sanders. They're they're socialist people. They're Marxists. And get it on tape because I want it on tape. And they can come in here and lock our doors. I don't really care right now because it's socialism and Marxist and that's how communism started. And they want it in this country. Best government that ever was was free enterprise and capitalism. Because you have the right to be free. You have the right to take care of your own family. Somebody say amen. You are not parent one and you are not parent two. You are mama and you are daddy. How many of you understand that? That's the way that is. Socialism and Marxism always gets rid of holy matrimony right out of the gate. 
They don't want people to get married. And when people don't get married, they cast off restraints. And the very people who cast off the restraints are sitting in Washington as senators and congressmen. How many of you understand that? So we live in a world that's a looney tune. It's crazy. And I'm reminded of one man who said, I'm going to change my society. And that was Elijah. And Elijah finally got tired of what was going on in his nation with his people. And he said, you bring all the prophets of Baal to Mount Carmel. He said, we're going to have a showdown on Mount Carmel. And when he got to Mount Carmel, he said, not only bring the prophets of Baal, we don't get this whole thing. He said, but bring the prophets of the grove also. And there's 450 prophets of Baal and there's 400 prophets of the grove. And that was 850 to one man. And Ahab, who was one of the worst kings that ever was because he was so wishy-washy, he wouldn't stand up to the women's movement. Oh, boy. Got that one. He wouldn't stand up to the women's movement. So he goes over into an idolatry, an idolatrous country, and he marries a priestess who's called Jezebel. And so Jezebel comes in and just moves that little spiny king out of the way because all he wanted was everything for himself. He wanted old Naboth's vineyard. So he goes to Naboth and he says, I want to buy you a vineyard. And he said, well, it's not for sale. You know, I don't care if you're the king. I'm a Levite. And it was the inheritance of the Levitical tribe. It's not for sale. We don't get that part. You see, the church is not for sale. And we have sold the church out because we're afraid. So he goes back whining to his wife. And what she says is, you have no spine. You're the king. Take it. And she's doing the very same thing to him that Naboth did to him. She's controlling him. So she goes and has him killed so this king can have a vineyard that belonged to God. And when she did that, all the things start spiraling downhill because when the church loses its strength and its power, things go down fast. How you say, the strength, the, how's the, the church losing its strength and power? Simply, you can't even go to church anymore and get healed. Because now we don't even believe in healing. I'm not going to talk about the Baptists and the Methodists and the Presbyterians. Because now we have Pentecostal churches that don't even believe in healing anymore. You know we do. And so you can't even go to church and get healed because it's not correct. Now, it's an amazing thing to me that we do not believe in demonic spirits and being possessed, but Hollywood does, and they're making billions of dollars off of it. 
And you know what? People in the church go wash that, watch that stuff. That's amazing. That's amazing to me. Yeah. And so what happens is all these things are happening. And the church is just going down, down, down. You can't get delivered from a demonic spirit in a church anymore because they don't believe in it. They don't believe in the resurrection of the dead. When you start to talk to people today that Smith Wigglesworth is accounted for raising 14 men from the dead, they say, you're crazy. Didn't happen. Go get his book and read it. Well, that's a, that's a great book. We don't, we don't like to read those kind of books. Hey, you know, we don't want to read those books where it talks about the power of God. But let me tell you something. When people stop getting saved in church, when they stop getting healed in church, when they stop getting delivered in church, then the church just resorts back to anything else and everything else that's in the world because the power of God doesn't cease. Now, I, th- I feel that the power of God should be so strong in this church that I can look over here at Doris and say, in the name of Jesus, you're healed, and that's the way it is. And that's why you should come here. Because in the name of Jesus, you should be healed. There's different things that got a hold of some of us. And what they're called is addictions. And all we have to do is break those in the name of Jesus. Called the power of God. And here's what Paul says to the Corinthian church. He says, listen. He said, when I come to you, he said, am I going to come to you in kindness or with a rod of correction? And he said, because I want you to hear what I'm about to tell you, Corinthian church. I don't care what you say, what you speak. When I get there, I want to see the power of God in a demonstrating spirit. He's saying, I want to see the power of God demonstrated in your church. What he's saying is, I don't want to just see people saved. I want to see them healed. I want them delivered and raised from the dead. Because Paul went through every single one of those and knew it was true. That's the power of God in the church today. But we don't have that. And so what's happened is, is the enemy has come in. Homosexuality is an abomination. Abortion is abomination. Listen, this transgender stuff, that's about as nuts as they come. Right? Isn't that amazing? Listen. Oh, oh, oh Elijah does something. He said, bring them all. Bring them all. Bring them all. We need to have a showdown. Wow, thank you, Lord. We need a showdown. Somebody say amen to that. We need a showdown in the United States of America. We need a showdown. We need to show people who God is. We need a showdown. That scared some of you. I can see it on your face. I don't want a showdown. Uh-uh. You see, Israel didn't want a showdown either, but they came. But they were neutral. They're standing. I, in my mind's eye, I just see them standing in a great big circle. And, and, and Elijah says simply this. He says, you know what? He said... Whoever brings the miracle is going to be God. He said, you know what? If God is God, let God be God. He said, if Baal is God, let Baal be God. I like that. Isn't that what he said? You like that, don't you? Yeah, I got a smile out of some of you. I like that thing about Gideon. When, when, when they go to Gideon's father and they want to they kill old Gideon because he done tore down their God. And Gideon's father, who believed in that God, not Gideon's God, said, my goodness, can't he take care of himself? Why do you have to contend for God? Can't he take care of himself? It's laughable, people. Showdown. Elijah said, let's have a showdown. We need a showdown. Maybe that's what God's doing today is a showdown. 
And so he, he gets there. It's an amazing thing. And he said, okay, you guys get to go first. He said, call on your God. Build an altar. They build an altar, and they put a calf on that altar. He said, but you've got to fight, call fire down from heaven. The only way that, 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 uh, that, uh, that calf is going to be a sacrifice is God's got God's to do it. Baal's got to do it, or God's got to do it. But you can't do it. This is a showdown. Well, they're all for that. They jump and holler and they do their stuff. And they did. They did it all. And this is the best part of the whole thing. Elijah made fun of them. Why don't we just start making fun of this stuff? Why don't we just tell the, the, the people that believe in abortion, you're a murderer. You're a murderer. You're killing babies that can't stand up for themselves. You're a murderer. Just say that. Well, they might put you in jail for a while. But say, you're a murderer. Go, go, go to these doctors and different ones that are making women into men and men into women and say, you know what? You're nuts. You're crazy. wonder what would happen if a woman come up here and, hey, Pastor Bill was telling me about one time he, di he didn't know what he was praying for. This person came up, he didn't know what this person was. You know, I, I know that I'm too outspoken. I was with my granddaughter, and we're standing in line at the store, and a guy stands beside me, and this guy is gothic, black. He's got a dog collar with spikes on his neck. He's got so many barbs in his eyelids, he can't hardly keep them open. He's got them in his ears and his nose. I knew this on his belly button, you know. This guy had this guy had more metal on. If this guy had to swim in a river, he'd have went to the bottom. And this guy had his hair. It was the brightest orange and red and blue I'd ever seen spiked straight up. Oh, he was that was amazing. And really, you know that ring in the nose? I wanted to grab it. I, I did want to. And, my, and my, my granddaughter at that time, she was a teenager, and she's sweating it. She's sweating because she knows Grandpa's going to say something. So I'm standing there, and I said, nice outfit. He never said a word to me. And I looked at him, and I said, got a job? He said, nope. And I said, I bet you don't. I said, it couldn't be by the way you dress, does it? And he looked at me, and he said, well, you don't like the way I dress? I said, no, I don't like the way you dress. He said, you look stupid. And my, I did say that. My granddaughter almost wanted to run out of there. And boy, he just moved away from me. And I just moved over there with him. <laughs> and we got out there, and my granddaughter said, Well, Grandpa, I knew you was going to do something. I said, yeah. She said, Grandpa, how do you have that much freedom? I said, listen to me. That guy would have said something to me if he didn't like the way I dressed, and I would have had to take it. And I said, now it's time that we start doing what we're to do. And so Elijah, he makes fun of them. Now listen to what he says. <clears throat> this is pretty cool. He says, where's your God? He's on a vacation. Your God's on a vacation. He's, maybe he's asleep. He got really graphic. Do you know what, God, what Elijah said? Maybe he's in the bathroom. He said that. He said that. He made fun of, listen to me, 
This world is insane. Because listen to what most people don't know. Baal was the god of abortion. Moloch was the god of abortion. Baal killed children. Moloch killed children. How many of you know abortion's not new? And it has always been the demise of a society. Understand this, homosexuality is not new. It has always been the demise of a society. Entertainment is not new. Sport is not new. It's always been the demise of a society. The problem we have now, we are global. And it is the problem of the world. And Jesus said the world will wax worse and worse. Finally, it's Elijah's turn. And the altar is all tore down because they fell on it and they cut themselves and they beat themselves and they cried out to a God that couldn't hear them. They cried out to a God that did not exist. How many of you understand? There is only one God that exists. His name is Jehovah, and his son's name is Jesus. Somebody say amen. That's the only God that exists. There is no other God beside him. And so he said, build this altar up, and they build it up. Put a lamb on there, and they put the lamb on there. He said, build a trench. And they build a trench. He said, now put a bale He said, put water on it. And they put water on it. He said, put more water on it, more water, until the thing was just, just saturated with water and the trench was clear full of water. And there's water everywhere. And all he does is he raises his hand to the Lord and calls on God. And God brings the fire. And when he brings the fire, he consumes the sacrifice. He consumes the altar. And he licked up the water. Listen to me. We need a showdown. And God is still God. Amen. How are we going to do that? I'm coming to an end. How are we going to do that? It's wrong. Well, listen to me. Jesus said, come unto me, all ye who labor and are heavy laden. Are you laboring? Are you laboring for the Lord? Because, listen, he didn't say take your burden. He said take my burden. He said take my yoke, take my burden. What's his burden? It's the first time I looked at God partnered up with the church. God always partnered up with the sinner. He partnered up with Joseph, the Cy- I mean uh, 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 Simon the Cyrenian. When he's going to the cross, he can't get to the cross. He's bleeding out, and he's got the cross on his back, and he's following, uh, falling under the load of the cross. Jesus is falling under the load. Listen, he's a man. He's bleeding out. He's dying. He's been beaten. His body is tore apart. He has crown of thorns on his head, and he is bleeding out. They have beat him to where you can't even recognize who he was. They have beat him. I mean, you understand that. So he's trying to get to Calvary, and when he does, he's falling under the load of the cross, and the Roman soldier pulls out Simon, the Cyrenian, and he helps Jesus get to the cross. Jesus partnered up with the sinner. He partnered up with you. He partnered up with me. Listen to what he does. He's also the one that said, If I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto myself. 
And so he can't be lifted up because he can't place himself on the cross. He's too weak. A Roman soldier partners up with Jesus and places him on the cross. He can't put the nails in his hands. Listen to me. A Roman soldier had to partner up with Jesus and put the, the, the uh, nails in his hands and in his feet. He couldn't lift the cross up. He was too weak. Listen to what happens. They set that cross up and they put that cross before the whole world. Who did that? Sinful men took a cross that Christ died on and put it before a sinful world. And that's where we're at. And we're going to be next week, Easter. Isn't that amazing? He partnered up. And now I'm looking at this. Listen to what he says now. He says, come unto me, all ye who labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Listen to what he's saying. I'm going to partner with you. I want you to partner with me. He's saying, because, listen, I'm going to teach you how to take this yoke. I'm going to teach you how to carry this load because I need your help. You didn't get that. You say, God doesn't need your help. God needs our help. Can God, God can do anything God wants to do. How many of you understand that? But God has never left man out from the Garden of Eden until this time, and he's not going to leave us out now. And do you know why he's not going to leave us out now? Because we're going to be victorious. And when we come out of this thing victorious, it's not him that he's going to brag about. Listen to what he's going to brag about. He's going to brag about his people. His people are going to come unto him humble, but Jesus is going to brag about the people of God. How many of you understand that? So I was talking to Doris the other day. <clears throat> That's when Doris was here before she got sick, and she's been gone forever, okay? So this was forever ago that we was talking about it. We was talking about Solomon's porch, and we was talking about the pillars. And, and, and the, the pillars on Solomon's porch were brass. And they would take these pillars, and they would shine them up, and they sat in front of the porch, and they would shine them up. And it, it, it is said through legend that people would come for thousands of miles and, and camp out on the Judean hills just to be able to look at those pillars. When the sun would hit them at the right time, they would just shine. Now listen to something about those pillars. Now most of the time when you see a church that has big columns, I mean you see a porch that has big columns, the porch is resting on the pillars. Isn't that right? But with Solomon's pillars, the porch didn't rest on them. The, the, there, there was a gap. There, there, the, the, the porch did not rest on the pillars. The pillars were made to look good. And that's what God calls us. He said we are his pillars. He called us that in Revelation. And, and, and I, let me get you the scripture here real quick. I think the scripture was uh, Revelation 3.12. And he says that we are the pillars of the temple of God. Paul calls uh, men in the church pillars in Galatians chapter 2 and verse 8. He says that we are pillars. And he says they're the pillars of the church. And I'm looking at that and I'm saying, I wonder if it, God isn't just shining us up so the world can see. And he's, he's bragging on us. Listen, why is he bragging on us? Because, listen, we are going to change this thing. You see here, my 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 my. Uh, assignment here on earth is, is is coming to a close you know and and some of you gray heads that and and some of you i know have dyed your head here and you really don't know what color it is anymore but if if you didn't die okay people i'm just saying it out of fun you know but but our, our gray hair is important because our gray hair is is the symbolism of wisdom that's going to help this generation to get through this thing. 
And so our assignment on this earth is right now greater than our assignment was. How many of you understand that? Our assignment for us older people that are on our last assignment is greater today than it was when we were younger. And the reason for that is because we are the ones that need to stand up and speak and we're the ones that need to teach and we're the ones that need to tell these young people what to expect, what to look at, and God will bring them through this thing. And tell these young people this, you can fix this thing. We'll pray, you fix this thing, go back to the reference book, and the reference book is the Word of God. Somebody say amen to that. Because understand something, Baal has to be stopped. Moloch has to be stopped. Listen, our nation is a nation of what we used to be called Christians. How about let's go back to that and labeling ourselves as Christians one more time. And so we have that, that battle ahead of us. Listen, what do we want? We just want Christians, people to stand up and say, we're the pillars. We're the pillars. And what are the pillars? The pillars are the people that God shined up to show forth his glory. Amen. And that's what we want to be. We want to be those people that God has just shined up. Listen to what he says. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Learn from me. He says, my yoke is easy. If your yoke is not easy, it could just be that you have started to agree with the Looney Tune world. Listen to me, you might not like President Trump. I think that he could sure use a class out of Hosanna in how to speak. I, I do. I, I believe that, that he could use a class. But that's not for me to say because God put him in there. Okay? So forgive me if I was wrong on that, but I, I would like a little bit more eloquent language. Right? But the substance of the thing that he's doing is just one thing that's got everybody upset. He's just stirring up Washington. Mark Kennan took this example. He said, you got a glass of water and you put dirt in it. If you wait for a while, he said, the water, he said, the dirt goes to the bottom. But it's still dirty water. He said, you put a stick in there and you stir it. He said, it gets muddy. And he said that all God's doing right now is stirring up Washington so that we see how muddy Washington is. It is good. Because understand this one thing. Whether you like him or whether you don't, he's still your president. And it, it all in the way that you talk about the president. I had, I had people leave this church years ago, and you'll remember why. Because I said, you know what? I don't care for Obama's politics, but if he comes into this church, I expect him to be treated with respect. And you know, this one guy, he said to me, he said, well, I can't do it. I said, then you don't need to be here. There is a certain amount of respect you do that. Listen to me, we have lost respect. And because of the news media the way it is, all we get is lies, one lie right after another, and we are believing them. Nancy Pelosi's not the president. Neither is Chuck Schumer. So I turn them off. When they come on the news, I just blot them out. I say, you don't get to talk in my house. 
Now, you're not going to like this, but when Trump gets crazy, I blot him and say, you don't talk in my house. Some of that stuff's not right. How many of you understand that? Help me, people. It's true. Okay. Do not throw eggs at me or run me out of town on a rail. Okay. But, but it's true. Because we need one, one reference, and that is Jesus Christ. Listen, but we're, we're, we're crazy. So we, we lie, and we get away with it. And now we take it as part of being who we are. Can you believe anybody in Washington? You know you can't. Can you believe the news media? You can't. Most of us here, we watch Fox. But you can't believe Fox. I'm sorry. You can't believe CNN. You can't believe what is it, MNSB, whatever it is. You can't believe ABC. You can't believe CBS. But you can believe this. You can't. I don't, I, don't, I, I don't want David Muir speaking in my house. I don't. I'm sorry. I don't, I don't care for that guy. I don't want him speaking in my house. And you say, why? He is a homosexual. Well, that's okay. No, it ain't, so he can't speak in my house. I don't like for him to speak in my house. Amen. You mean because he's gay? Yeah, because he's gay. This is really going to get me some trouble. You mean God doesn't love him? God loves him so much he doesn't know how much God loves him. But he's forgot the reference book. And if he'd pick up the reference book, he would find out what he's doing is not correct. How many of you understand that? How many of you understand the people that started abortion, Roe versus Wade, almost every one of them are saved now and fighting against abortion of what they've done. A lot of them got saved. It's the reference book. Well, what does the reference book say? All right, everybody get your reference book. We're going to end. We're going to end with this. Everybody get your reference book. Go over to Matthew chapter 11. Go to Matthew chapter 11. And, and start with verse 27. All things have been handed over to me by my Father. And no one knows the Son except the Father. Nor does anyone know the Father except the Son. And anyone to whom the Son wills to reveal him. So then he looked at him and he says, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Notice what he says, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This is a reference book. It's going to, it, it, it pointed me to Calvary. This reference book pointed me to Calvary. And when I knelt before the Lord Jesus Christ, listen to what I did. I give my heart to him, and I died that day. I died that day. Holy Spirit looked at me, and he said, you're guilty. And I said, what am I guilty? You're guilty of sinning against God. So then I say to Holy Spirit, how do I take care of that? Listen to what Holy Spirit says. Let me kill you. 
Because the punishment of sinning against God is death. I will kill that old man in you. And I will bring you into the newness of life called the resurrection. Being born again. And then he says, I'm going to show you how to see the kingdom of God. Then I'm going to teach you how to enter into the kingdom of God. And here's how you're going to enter in. You're going to come unto me and you're going to learn from me. This is the reference book. He said, now here's something that I'm going to teach you that I am. I am gentle and I'm humble. See, that we've lost that in the world. He said, I'm gentle and I'm humble. He said, now I'm going to give you rest. He said, because I'm going to put my yoke upon you. And we're going to pull my burden. And my burden, he says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And here's the reason why. He said, because I'm going to teach you and I'm going to do most of the work. But I'm not going to do all of it. I'm going to teach you how to pull this thing. Let's stand. And and if you can't stand, Rosalie, don't do it. Just sit right there. You're okay. Just sit right there. I'm just glad to have you. Amen. Because, see, he says this. Come unto me, all ye who labor and are heavy laden. That heavy laden means that we have the burden of Christ for lost souls. Can I finish with this? Harold, bring your group up here. And I want to finish with this. Not only does God give you a yoke that is light, And he'll pull the burden. But he loves you with an intensive love. So, before Jesus is crucified, and they have a talk with the disciples, and Peter says something to this effect, I'll never leave you. He said, I'll never leave you. And Peter felt that. Peter wasn't lying. People say, oh, Peter. Peter was not lying. In his heart, he felt that he would never leave Jesus. But he's going to go under an intense persecution, or he's going to see the one whom he loves go under an intense persecution that also could have been his persecution. He sees that. When, when Peter says, you know what, Lord, I'll never leave you, he meant that. You can run old Peter down all you want, but he meant that. See, the thing about that prodigal son, that prodigal son never stopped loving his dad. He got into a mess, but he never stopped loving his dad. And as soon as he came to his being, come out of the loony, lo- mental illness that he was in like the world's in first thing he thought about was the love of his father now he felt so bad about himself that he said you know what I'm going to go make a deal with my dad but he loved his dad and here's what he knew too he knew his dad loved him that was the deal and he knew this he knew the only place that he could go and live was home that was the only place of reference that brought him any security Peter, Peter loved Jesus. He did. 
even at that time, he loved Jesus. But the fear was greater in, in Peter than anything. And so Jesus says to Peter, he said, now, Peter, listen to me. He said, before the cock rose, he said, you're going to deny me three times. And you know, Peter just was beside himself because he just didn't believe that could happen. And maybe you're that kind of person. Maybe I've, I've been there at, 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 in times in my life. And so he, so he, he denies Jesus the first time. And as soon as he does, the Bible says what? Jesus looked at him. Jesus looked at him. First time he denied Jesus, Jesus looked at him. Wow, what do you think happened to old Peter? But fear gripped old Peter. And so then he denies the Lord the second time with a greater intensity. And then the third time comes and a little child, a little child brings so much fear and condemnation to Peter that not only did he deny the Lord, but he started to curse. He started to curse. And so his fear went to degrees from this degree First degree, second degree, third degree. You want to say that. And you know, you know something about Jesus. You know what Jesus said. Jesus never, ever mentions that to Peter again. Never. You can't find it in the Bible. He doesn't. And before Jesus ascends to heaven, he said, Peter, do you love me? And Peter said, yes, Lord, I love you. He said, feed my lambs. <laughs> you love me like a friend? Yes, I do. And then he says to Peter the second time, Peter, do you love me? And Peter said, yes, Lord, I love you. Peter just getting a little bit agitated. Now, in Peter's mind, he's probably not figuring that Jesus remembered what happened when he denied him. This may be a way to get even with him. And he said, yes, Lord, I love you. And Peter, then Jesus said, feed my sheep. And then the third time, because God's love just kept getting greater and greater for Peter. As Peter's fear got greater and greater, Jesus' love is getting greater. And he says to Peter the third time, he said, Peter, do you love me? Do you love me beyond love that you can't even express? And Peter said, yes, I do. He said, feed my sheep. Here's what Jesus said. Peter, I don't care what you've done. Don't care where you've been. You can always go back to the reference point, Peter. From now on, when you get in trouble, go to the reference point. And you'll find my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And I'm going to walk this thing with you, Peter, right up till the time that you're crucified upside down. 
I'm going to be walking with you. I'm going to be with you. Listen to me. It's time that we have a showdown. Get it on tape. It's time that we have a showdown and we take the reference book. Father God, we give you praise and we give you glory. There is none like you, no, not in all the earth. Father God, you are the healer of the sick. Father God, you are the deliverer of those who are addicted. You are the resurrection and the life. You said that you were. Father, we come unto you. Now, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. If you are weary and you are heavy laden, I'm going to ask you to come up here. Now, I'm going to come back and pray for you, Rosalie. I'm just going to come back and anoint you. But if you are heavy laden right now, I want you to come up here. And I want you to, t- to talk to the Lord personally yourself. And say, Lord, I'm receiving your yoke. And you're going to teach me how to pull this thing. You got problems in your life and that yoke is too tough. I want you to come up here and I want you to take on Jesus' yoke. Whoever you may be, maybe more, maybe one, maybe more, but whoever you are, I want you to come. I want you to come and I want you to say, God, I got this yoke and it's rubbing sores on my shoulder. I want you to come. I want you to come. Keep playing there. Listen to me. Yeah, just come. This thing's still open. I want you to hear this. Sometimes we as Pentecostals take the focus off of what we should have the focus on. Just stay with me. I believe in all the gifts. All of them. I'm, I'm one of the few people that believe in all of them. But I believe sometimes with the gift, we take the focus off what we need to take the focus and leave it on. And the focus right now is God delivering with the yoke that he'll place on your shoulder. Put that focus on him. Don't put that focus on anything else. Right now, you who have come up here and you who are back there, focus on God.